Hey everybody, it's Kendall from the Recording Lounge Podcast. It's March 28th, 2016. Thanks for joining us today. Um, we've got a very special show today and a uh, two-part series here called Let's Mix and Master a Song. Uh, the mastering might actually end up to be a third episode depending on how it goes today, but I guess we'll see. We did one of these a couple years ago uh, and I got a lot of positive responses from it. A lot of people said it really helped them sort of sit over my shoulder and, and understand sort of what I was doing in a mix. And, uh, you know, I, I had a great time doing that. These types of episodes are, are a lot of work, but they but they really help people. And it's, you know, so I'm excited to do another one. I haven't done one in a long time. And uh, I wanted to sort of preface today's show by making a couple points. Um, the first thing I want to talk about is this is an audio podcast. It's not a video podcast, so you can't see what I'm doing. And on the last episode, uh, or the last series that I did of Let's Mix and Master a Song, I got some comments, uh, sent to me on email that said things like, well, because we can't see it, like, can you share more of your settings next time you do this? Uh, you know, like what compression and EQ and things like that. And the answer that I have to that is no, I won't. Um... Because, I mean, sure, I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to take out some low mids. I'm going to add some top end. I'm going to compress this a little bit, slow attack. But I'm not going to go through and say, okay, I've got a two to one ratio with a 10 millisecond attack and a 150 millisecond release because that doesn't matter. Um, if I had a very, you know, if, for example, if I was compressing a vocal, if I had a, a different vocal, the settings would be completely different. I think it's totally ridiculous to mix with presets when it comes to EQ and compression. That makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, now, I understand presets on things like reverbs and delays and things that you could tweak for hours upon end and to get a very specific sound. But uh, for EQ and compression, it, it changes all the time. Same for like... Uh, you know, gating. Now, sure, you can have a preset that's like a starting place, but you're almost always going to have to tweak it, um, especially with EQ. That preset's just, that's just crazy to me. Uh, so I'll tell you what I'm doing, but it's more important for you to understand why I am doing it. Okay, if you really want to get better, uh, you know, using presets is not the way to get better. I mean, if you had, if you hired an electrician to come to your house and like fix your electricity, you know, you're having issues. Would it really look too good if he was looking through like easy electrical guide, like on his phone or something, you know, with like 10 quick steps to fixing a home electric. I mean, it's like, that's essentially what presets are. And it's like, no, you need to look at what you're about to do and respond knowing what you have to do or at least experimenting with techniques to actually fix the problem that is right in front of you. Uh, and, and again, I'm, that's why I'm such a big believer in understanding the tools, understanding what EQ and compression do. The more that you understand about the actual tools that we use and the more you understand about the craft and about music and all of these things, the easier it will be for you to understand, oh, I need to do this because that. And, you know, when I'm mixing a song, I just sort of respond. I don't necessarily think a whole lot about what I'm doing. I'll try to sort of, uh, you know, deconstruct what I'm doing and explain it as I go as best as I can. I definitely have no problem. You know, there's no secrets here. I have no, no I'm not like hiding my settings from you uh, or anything. And I, I think that's something a lot of novices struggle to get past. They think that some people share secrets and others don't when in fact, a lot of times the ones that 
don't share secrets, quote, quote, know that there are no secrets. And the ones that do share secrets, quote, quote, it's almost like they don't really understand either that it's pointless to tell somebody this is how to compress a vocal because that's, you know, that's one vocalist recorded with a certain mic in a certain room. They sing a certain way. They were a certain distance. They work the mic a certain amount. It was this type of genre. It was this type of song. The vocal was this intense. I mean, all of those things will affect you know, what type of compression you use or if you don't even compress it at all. And so it's ridiculous. You know, I mean, what if if you got a vocal that was crazy compressed when recording, you're not just going to put a compressor on it because that's what real professionals do. You know, that that's silly, right? I mean, what you need to be able to do is listen and respond. Listen to the problems, listen to what it needs, listen to how to bring out the emotion or energy or attack uh, or the breath or the sustain or whatever you're trying to bring out and then use your knowledge of the tools to make that happen. So uh, another thing that I want to say before we get started is that this song is potentially really representative of what a lot of you guys uh, are working on. Now, maybe not the genre or the particular band, but I'm what I mean is this is recorded in a small home studio in a single room. Okay, They don't have a separate control room and live room. It's a single small room that's about uh, what I remember was maybe like 11 by 14. So pretty small. I've gotten a lot of emails from people over the years with very similar, similarly sized rooms, you know, 10 by 15, 10 by 12, 12 by 15, you know, all in that area of sort of like small bedroom studio. And so I really hope that this gives you, you know, some examples of like, oh, he had to do that on the kick. I always thought that that was too much or whatever. Uh, I know that a lot of people will uh, essentially not mix something or not do something to a source essentially out of fear, which is kind of a strange thing to me. Uh, when you're working in small studios, you often have to do a little bit more to get what you need out of the tracks. And that's, you know, a big part of is, is of that is the room is the room isn't sort of like helping you out uh, at, you know, it's causing things to sort of be muffled or whatever. There's a ton of other factors, you know, uh, typically speaking, if you're in a nice big studio working with professional engineers, you're going to have, you know, top quality equipment. You're going to have a great room with lots of space and depth and ambience in the room. You know, you won't have to add as much reverb. You won't have to add as much EQ or this and that in the mix. Um, you know, they often have more mics to use in their mic selection. They have more preamps. They have more compressors. They may or may not record to tape. They may or may not have, you know, top quality conversion and they have separation and isolation between the control room and the live room. And there's just so many different factors. I mean, even that alone, working in a one room studio is very challenging because you can't, for example, put up a guitar amp. And move the mic around and hear how it sounds on the monitors in the room because if you're in a one-room studio, the amp is, you know, just right behind you. So you can't monitor through the monitors. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, all those things are challenges and that's exactly what this band went through. This band is called Cavern Company and this song is called Dancing in the Dark. Not to be confused with uh, the Springsteen song, but uh, anyway. Um, so... 
is a really neat band. It's kind of an indie ambient rock thing with sort of a nice mellow vocal. Uh, very, very fun song, really uh, smooth and sort of enjoyable, easy listening type thing. Um, you know, you'll hear it, you know, I, I'm, I'm bad at explaining genres, but <laughs> you'll hear what I mean. Uh, but it's a cool song. It's a really simple song. There's mostly two guitars plus a couple of leads. There's bass, there's drums, there's a lead vocal and a backing vocal, and there's a couple of synths, and that's it. It's a pretty simple arrangement. Um, I want to try to explain some of the things, some of the basic uh, challenges that we had and how we set up the mix. Um, so let's just let's just get started. All right, so some of the challenges that we had in the raw tracks, we went through and listened to some of the raw tracks. Uh, we had some noise issues on a couple of the tracks on the bass and on the lead vocal, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know if it was an electrical problem or some sort of cable issue. Um, and I hope that the guys have fixed it. Uh, guys, if you're out there listening, uh, good luck. I hope you fix that. Um, <laughs> but uh, regardless, uh, we do have incredible tools available to us today to help clean up these types of things. Now, one more thing that I wanted to preface this by saying is that it's not the job of the mixer to edit tune, denoise, clean up audio problems in the files. Uh, typically, that is the job of the engineer, the producer, or if they have one, uh, a dedicated editor on the project. However, in this specific situation, uh, and like many of you will probably have to do, uh, working with clients on a, sm on a like, you know, local level or things like that, you kind of have to wear multiple hats. And in this situation, that was part of the deal. So I ended up editing and tuning and denoising and things like that. Not the drums. We didn't do anything to the drums, but uh, vocals and bass. Um, so uh, we had some uh, issues on the lead vocal with noise and same with the backing vocal. And we had some noise issues on the bass and we had some intonation issues on the bass. Uh, and it's going to be kind of like a, a cooking show where it's kind of like, oh, look, I've already got one here in the oven where I'm not really going to show you and like make you sit through me tuning a vocal. Uh, but I'm going to show you the before and after. Um, so before we get to that and before I let you hear the sort of the raw, you know, just rough balance, uh, I'm going to also talk about how I set up the session. So I have a template that I use that I've been revising and tweaking over the last uh, eight years. Um, and it's basically got my buses set up that I usually like, which are, in this case, I've got lead vocal, backing vocal, electric guitars. Uh, I usually have an acoustic guitar bus that I you know, may or may not have. In this case, I deleted it. We don't have any acoustic guitars. Uh, I've got a kick bus and snare bus, which I used for this particular session. I'll explain that later. But I have a drum bus, a bass bus, and a synth bus. Um, I usually have a keys bus that I didn't need, so I deleted that. And I had, uh, let's see what else. I think that's it. Um, all of those buses, everything goes to a bus. Okay. Everything has a bus. All of those buses then go to, uh, three other buses. I have an all vocals bus. So the lead vocal and backing vocal bus go to the all vocal bus. I have an all music bus. So all the other buses go to that, but man, I've said bus like a thousand times. Uh, <laughs> So all the other buses, drums, bass, uh, things like that, they all go to the music bus. And then my effects returns, which uh, in my template, I've got about 18 effects. I've got 
a mono reverb, a bright studio, dark studio, those are reverbs, spring reverb, plate reverb, uh, dark plate, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I've got some delays. I've got a doubler. So point is, um, I will probably only end up using a couple of these effects, but I have them all in here so I can quickly audition them, quickly say, okay, what about this reverb on the vocal? What about this reverb on the guitar? What about, you know, just not have to search through presets, which is a really time-consuming thing. I've spent hours and hours and hours working on you know, these effects that I really like and have worked on different mixes. And if I need to tweak them, I can. I can, you know, EQ them a little bit, do this and that, adjust the decay time, adjust the, you know, number of repeats on the delay, whatever. Anyway, all of my effects returns go to one last bus that is called All Effects. So I can easily mute all the effects or solo all the effects or whatever. And then those three main buses, the vocals, the music, and the effects, go to my master. And that's it. Uh, that's how it's set up that way. Now, uh, as you might remember, I've talked about a handful of times, uh, I, I'm very particular about the way that my session is organized and color-coded. Uh, so up top, I always have the lead vocal as track one, uh, and then I have my backing vocals. I usually put my main instrument after that. In this song, it is electric guitar, uh, but it could be piano, it could be acoustic guitar, it could be, you know, whatever. Um, and then after the main instrument, I usually put the secondary instrument. So, you know, if it's guitar as the main, it's probably piano as the secondary. Uh, and then I'll put drums, I'll put bass, and then I'll put any extra synths or keys or pads or strings or organ anything like that. And of course it depends, you know, if I've got a song with like banjo and mandolin, or if I've got a song with, you know, tons of synths or whatever, it might completely, you know, but that's the rough idea. I keep lead vocal up top, uh, and then I do backings and then I'd start to do instruments, drums, bass, etc. Uh, I also have everything named accordingly. You know, if there are tracks that say audio one, or if they have a, a name that doesn't make sense to me, I'll rename them. You know, if it just says, you know, T, I'm like, okay, what is T? Is that tambourine or is that Tom? Uh, you know, then I'll re make sure and name it correctly. Uh, if something says bass, I might say, if I might even rename that to more specifically like bass DI. Um, if it's something says pad, I might try to rename it to something that's a little more representative, like uh, dark pad or bright pad or airy pad, something like that. Okay, I try to give it meaningful names. The other thing that I do is make sure to color code everything. Um, so my lead vocal is usually blue for a male and pink for a female. I mean, come on, big surprise. And then my backing vocals are sort of a light, uh, you know, aqua color, sort of like teal color. Uh, and then I've got electric guitars are green. Acoustic guitars are usually brown or tan color. Uh, if I have banjo or mandolin, it's usually like this, uh, sort of mustardy yellow color. Um, and then I've got drums, which are gray, same with percussion. Bass is always purple. Uh, keys like piano are always red. Organ is usually light orange and synths and strings are usually like a sort of like nice sunny yellow. So that's how I do it on every session that I have every single session. I don't, uh, I don't change it because it keeps it easy for me. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, 
you know, search around for tracks. I don't have to be, okay, where's my electric guitars? I always know that my electric guitars are the green tracks. I always know that my drums are the gray tracks. I always know that my pianos are the red tracks. And I don't have to search for it. I don't have to think about it. And it helps keep me quick and creative. And I don't have to search for things. I don't have to read track names so much. Um, so I highly recommend doing that. If you want more information about uh, how to set up your sessions, I actually have a very long video on my YouTube channel. Uh, let me just double check it real quick to make sure that, um, that I'm giving you the correct name. But if you head over to youtube.com slash recording lounge, not only will you find some cool videos uh, of just various techniques and various tricks like that, I've got a, uh, I've got a very, very long uh, video, 47 minutes, called Preparing Your Sessions for Mixing. Uh, and it's slash mix prep slash mix send off. Uh, it's a little bit of an older video, but I think it will still, uh, you know, apply and have, have the right information for you. And I believe I also talk about gain staging in the video. I talk about organization. Uh, and it doesn't really matter what DAW you have. Um, you know, the same should apply. Um, so go check that out. Again, it's, I mean, it's totally free to watch. I mean, it's, it's 47 minutes of info. Uh, I also have some podcast episodes where I talk about it a little bit. Um, so without further ado, let's get started. Let's hear the mix. This is just levels, rough levels. There's no, I don't even think there's panning. There's no effects. There's nothing. Uh, so yeah, this song is called Dancing in the Dark from Cavern Company. Dancing, 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 dancing
Okay, so the first thing that I notice in the raw tracks is that uh, we've got some we've got some issues with some low mid mud uh, as is pretty typical on things like this, um, you know. And we've also we'll probably have a little bit of a challenge getting the vocal to stick out because he's kind of a quiet sounding singer. Uh, now he he is breathy, which is good. That that helps us get you know our presence, but uh, he's not a real aggressive singer, and so that's always a bit of a challenge, uh, especially because he's not also he's also not a high singer, and so sometimes it's a challenge to get low quiet singers to stick out over a band that is not low and quiet. Uh, you know, and it's also sometimes a little bit unnatural to our ears because it's like, how is it that we're hearing this quiet singer so clearly over a rock band? And, you know, so that's a challenge. Uh, we've also got some pretty small sounding drums. Now the drums, we don't necessarily need them to sound huge, like a big arena, but you know, they were recorded in a small room. Now the raw tracks are actually pretty good and the, you know, the direct mics are good. We don't have a stereo overhead. We have a mono overhead and a mono room. Uh, and so we got to work around that as well. Um, that's just part of the deal. You know, you, you work with what you're given. And, uh, but we can try to bring out some, a little bit more stereo. I don't really mind mono drums. Uh, some people really hate it. I don't mind it. Uh, we do have, uh, two kick mics. We have snare top, snare bottom. We have a rack tom and a floor tom. And we have mono overhead, mono room. Uh, and even though it's not a very big room, it at least gives us a little bit of depth to the kit. Um, we've also split our snare track, uh, in the first verse, there's a cross stick section here. Nice. So we've actually cut that part out of the snare top track and moved it down to its own track just for ease of processing. Um, let's see here. Anything else? We've got a couple of pads. We've got some synths. We've got a little bass, uh, sort of synth at the end of the song. Uh, we've got uh, lead vocal, we've got backing vocal, we've got two guitar tracks, uh, two guitar mics on the rhythm. So we've got uh, Royer ribbon. Uh, I believe they used a Royer R101. And what I think is a condenser. And a lot of these, uh, we've got some other lead stuff that's doubled like this. And like this. And then we've got another lead track that just has one, uh, one track. It's got some chorus and modulation. Um, we've got a tambourine track. We've got a, uh, let's see. And, and another thing uh, is that this band gave me quite a bit of liberty uh, on this song. And again, it's one of those situations where on the average situation, this is not something that uh, you want to do without permission. And you might even, you might not even ask about it because it's not really the mixer's place to do this type of thing. However, in this situation, it's a little bit different. I just want to clarify that. But we actually have, uh, let's see here. We have a tambourine track that was actually pulled down uh, in that. Okay, and we have a ride loop track that comes in in the bridge. And we 
we did that because we wanted to get a little bit more uh, of an eighth note feel rather than uh, ba ba ba. We wanted the sort of subdivision on the ride symbol in the bridge. And another thing that we've done is actually gone through the whole song and added crash samples, stereo crash samples, uh, wherever the, there is a crash hit in the song. Not only do we get a little bit of stereo movement with that, uh, but we also get just a nice prominent crash. So I'll turn that up. So that's our direct, that's our normal uh, overheads and just drums overall. And with the crash samples. So we get a little bit of stereo going on with that. Uh, and we'll talk about some ways that we can get some additional uh, width out of the drums. Uh, like I said, I've got, because I've got kick, uh, two kick mics and two snare mics, each of those is going to a kick bus and a snare bus. Um, I like to just sort of balance the kick top or kick in and out or kick one, two, however you want to look at it and then process them together. I don't like to do a whole bunch of processing individually because I think the phase tends to get funky and I feel like it just sounds better and it makes me focus only on kick and snare rather than you know, messing with two mics or three mics on a kick or snare, it just uh, makes more sense to me to bust them. You know, obviously you check the phase and you set a good balance between the two and then you just work on them as one element. That seems to simplify it for me. Um, and also I feel like it sounds better. Uh, now let's get to talking about some of the cleanup work that we did on the lead vocal and the backing vocal and also the bass where we needed to do some tuning and some uh, noise reduction. So first of all, I'm going to play you the lead vocal uh, before. This is the raw lead vocal track. Light seeps through my window in illuminated veins. You can hear that noise in between the phrases. A warm touch of yellow making shadows on my face. So we ran this through a program called Isotope RX. Now I know Isotope RX is expensive, but it's amazing what it can do for noise reduction and for just general cleanup of the audio and getting rid of some really problematic things. It's a lifesaver. And then after that, we ran the vocal through Melodyne, which is uh, my tuning program of choice to tune up the vocal, lead vocal, backing vocal, and bass we used with Melodyne. The bass had some intonation issues up high where it was kind of out of tune when he played up high on the neck. Uh, and then on the lead vocal, we actually ended up running the lead vocal through some analog gear. Uh, and that was mainly because after we did some noise reduction and things like that, it tended, it seemed to make the vocal sound a little bit small and kind of lifeless. And so we wanted, not, not, I mean, not bad, just a little bit. And so we decided to just beef it up a little bit with some analog gear and also uh, to use some compression. So what we did was, if I recall correctly, we ran through a Retro 2A3, which is sort of a Poltec-style EQ. Just added a little bit of top and a little bit of bottom just to kind of hype it up a little bit. Uh, and then we ran through a Retro 176 compressor in that order. Now, the compressor wasn't working that hard. Maybe a couple dB here and there. And you can hear it when we AB. It's not a lot of compression. Um, just enough to kind of solidify it, thicken it up a little bit. Um, probably 2 to 1 or 4 to 1 for what it's worth. 
the 176 in general is is a pretty fast compressor in terms of the attack, but not like really fast. Um, and then the release was maybe fast. But anyway, point being, uh, a lot of it was for the tone of both units, which are both tube units. Um, so I'll play you the before and after. So here's before. Light seeps through my window in illuminated veins. A warm touch of yellow Making shadows on my face I was just sing And then uh, the after, I'm gonna pull up the other vocal. This is after. Light seeps through my window In illuminated veins A warm touch of yellow Making shadows on my face I'll A-B between them and you'll, I mean, you can really hear the noise reduction and you can hear it's not a ton of compression that we did. Uh, so here's an A-B. Light seeps through my window in illuminated veins A warm touch of yellow Making shadows on my face I was just dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing under. And it's really not a lot of EQ either. Uh, in some ways, it sounds even maybe a little thinner on the bottom, but at least it's more consistent with the compression. Um, and so it kind of just helps solidify that vocal a little bit more. And as you might know from listening to me or, or even reading my book, I like to start the mix pretty quickly with the vocal and put the vocal in early. Uh, I don't like to mix the song and then uh, just slap on the vocal and hope that it sits in the mix. As I say in my book, it's not the job of the vocal to sit in the mix. It's the job of the mix to let the vocal sit. Um, you have to work around the vocal. You have to make sure that stuff is out of the way and you have to give it a place. You can't just make a mix and then set it on top and hope that it works. It generally sounds kind of disjointed and uh, like you just put it on at the very end of the mix. Uh, so that's my recommendation. A lot of people uh, don't do that. They start with the kick drum or whatever and they go from there and they can get good mixes that way, but I can't do that. Uh, let's also check out the bass. Now the backing vocals, uh, let's see here, the backing vocals, we just tune those up, uh, but I don't seem to have the original vocals. So Long story short, those got tuned up. Uh, <laughs> now the bass. The bass, uh, I'll play you before and after on the bass as well. Uh, here we go. You can hear that, you can hear that noise on there as well. Uh, and then this is after. So, uh, you can definitely hear that it got cleaned up quite a bit on the noise. This is again another section, this is all A-B between the two. And you'll probably be able to hear that those high notes are more in tune because we ran it through Melodyne. This is uh, another AB. I'll do that again. Mm 
We didn't run through any analog gear on this, uh, but um, it makes a big difference just running through Isotope RX and uh, then tuning tuning it up with Melodyne. Now, again, in Melodyne, I, I do it all manually, so um, yeah, I won't put you through that process. Any of you that have used Melodyne before will know it's kind of a it's kind of a headache waiting to happen sometimes tuning a, tuning a vocal, even if even if the vocal's really good, just sitting there and working note by note can uh, be pretty tedious work. Um, but even just those little things um, make it so much better. Uh, one thing that I've noticed is that when you get the vocal right early, when you get rid of some annoying things like that, like noise or S's, if you DS early uh, in the mix, then you'll feel more confident to turn it up, uh, which means that you tend to work around it a little better. Light seeps through my window and already that sounds so much better to me so uh, one more thing that we've done sort of in preparation for mixing is we've cut out or turned down really uh, the space on the toms between tom fills so uh, by default we have this I'll just play the tom tracks only Now the bleed isn't crazy bad, but uh, what we've done essentially is turn down, uh, turn down the uh, bleed, if you will, um, by about 12 dB, uh, so that uh, our toms stick out, and both tom tracks are coming up at the same time. So it's basically um, we do a cut right before the fill on both tom tracks at the same space, at the same cut, and then we turn down using clip gain, the space in between by about 12 dB, uh, maybe a little bit more, it's actually more like 18, uh, 16. Um, so, that helps to clean up those toms, and in a section like this, We actually left some more of the bleed um, because we wanted a little bit more stereo in that section. Uh, because again, we're not dealing with a lot of tracks on the drum, so we kind of need as much stereo as we can get. Uh, and since the toms will be panned, that helps to kind of get the kit a little bit wider in that section and make the cymbals a little bit washier. This is also the section where we added a ride loop. Which we'll probably, may well maybe, we might pan that also. Alright, so another thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to take our backing vocal and I'm going to duplicate it onto another track. So here's our backing vocal right now. Dancing, dancing On the grass and dirt and the dark I was just dancing, dancing Okay, so I'm going to duplicate this backing vocal onto another track uh, because we only have one and I'm going to put Waves Doubler on it. Now, Waves Doubler is a really simple plugin. Uh, it's basically just uh, a pitch, uh, some pitch oscillation, some detuning, and a little bit of delay. So I'm actually just going to delay this a little bit. Uh, I'm going to pull up both vocals dancing, here. Dancing, dancing, on the grass, in the dirt, in the dark. So I'm going to take this and delay it about... Oh, let's say 40 milliseconds. Dancing, dancing. And then I'm going to detune it a little bit. 
uh, and then do some modulation so that the pitch kind of varies up and down. Dancing, dancing on the grass and the dirt. And uh, when you pan these, it actually ends up sounding kind of like two vocalists, two takes. Dancing, dancing on the grass and dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing and Again, I did this to get uh, some, get the vocal out of the way of the middle and try to keep as much space clear in the middle as I can. And as you may remember also from other shows, and again, maybe my book, I'm a pretty big fan of mixing LCR with the 50-50 spots in between sometimes. Um, so I like to mix. What that means is uh, I pretty much have five pan spots only. Hard left, hard right, center, and 50, 50 left and 50 right, which I only really do for a couple things. Um, but uh, for the most part, that's it. I like the way it sounds. It sounds wide to me. It sounds big. And uh, it also helps me prioritize what goes in the middle, which is usually just kick, snare, bass, and vocal. Lead vocal, that is. Uh, every now and then, something else will go in the middle, but uh, you got to be real careful about it. So uh, now that I've got my sort of fake uh, double backing vocal here, let's hear what the chorus sounds like. Thanks. Just dancing, dancing Underneath my eyes On the grass, the dirt And the dark I was just dancing, dancing Dancing under The willow tree Elliot's been a while I like how that sounds. So now I've kind of got uh, this sort of setup going on. I really like it. The vocals are panned hard left and right. Um, let's see here. Is there anything else? Um, that's pretty much it. Cool. Well, let's get started mixing this song. Uh, first things first, I'm going to just play the song and do some more balances. Uh, maybe adjust my kick a little bit. Uh, I try not to solo things too much. Uh, the only thing that I really don't mind soloing is the, is the lead vocal. Cause I feel like the lead vocal has got to sound really good, uh, in solo or otherwise, but everything else, I try not to solo it at least for very long. I try to really mix in context. Um, so I'll try to explain what it is that I'm tweaking when I'm tweaking it, just so you know what I'm hearing. Uh, but for the most part, I just try to, uh, keep everything on when I can. Uh, I will try to solo up things a little bit more than usual for this podcast because I want you to hear kind of specifically what I'm doing. Uh, but um, let's go for it. Underneath my eyes, on the grass, the dirt and the dark, 
like I was just dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree. Ellie, it's been a while. Okay, so for the most part, I was really just adjusting some volumes and pans, uh, no EQ or anything yet, just kind of uh, tweaking around with the balance and seeing uh, kind of what's up. And uh, so the first thing that I noticed that I need to work on a little bit is the kick drum. And um, so I'm just going to take all the drums and, and work on those for a second. Another thing that I did on that pass was uh, I was uh, flipping the phase or the polarity uh, really uh, on the room mic and on the snare bottom and on the kick out. Uh, but let's check out that kick by itself. It's kind of... Uh phase is okay. Kind of funky that way. 
One of the biggest things about this kick is that it doesn't have a lot of, uh, of attack. So I'm actually going to use, I want to start by adding some EQ, take out some of that low mid stuff. And now I'm going to add a, a transient designer. Actually, my favorite uh, at the moment is the Native Instruments Transient Master uh, because there's just not a lot of attack on this kick. Kind of like magic, right? Uh, it's very simple. Uh, it's sort of like an expander, gate, compressor, all in one. Um, attack and sustain are the only knob. Well, and it's got gain also, but um, it's a very cool plugin that allows you to add attack very simply and sort of in an intuitive way. I'm going to I'm going to put a compressor on here uh, to kind of even it out a little bit. Some of these hits are kind of all over the place. Not too bad, but Using a pretty slow attack on this. I think I'm actually going to go ahead and add a gate also to really kind of control when I want that kick, how long that kick should last. I'm going to add a little top end back to the kick. okay with that for now um we'll see we'll revisit it here in a little bit but let's check out our snare it's kind of a similar story the, the dry snare tracks actually sound quite good but i want to get a little bit more snap and a little bit more crispiness on it i'm just going to copy this over from the kick okay that way too much let's go back to zero really just need a little bit of attack I'm going to add some EQ, a little bit of top end, take out some weird resonance.
Probably need to flip the phase on the snare bus. Yeah, that's okay. That's a great example of how you always need to check the phase. And if you've done a lot of EQ or something like that, it's also a good idea to check the phase again uh, just to make sure that the EQ hasn't sort of like knocked it out of phase again. Because EQ, you know, does affect the phase no matter what you do. Unless you use a linear phase EQ, but those don't sound good on drums. So, yeah. This is before. And after flipping the phase on the snare bus. All that low end comes back. I'm going to take a second to just check out my snare one more time. I'm going to add a little bit of compression on the snare. This is one of those situations where you could add a snare sample, but, you know, there's a lot of grace work on the snare, and it's just, it would just kind of take away from it, and I don't want it to do that. You know, um, if you're dealing with, like, less than, less than ideal rooms for recording drums, sometimes samples are the only way you can get out of that. But in this situation, you know, even though it's a small room, it doesn't sound bad, uh, you know, and the drums tracks themselves sound okay. The kick, you know, I might end up sampling, repla sample replacing that or at least sample supporting, but I don't know. We'll see how it, we'll see how it goes. Um, I'd like to not have to if, you know, if I can, uh, but on the snare, I'm going to add a compressor, uh, a little, you know, kind of tame some of those peaks and even it out a little bit. Let's see here. Let's go to this section. I'm actually going to do a little bit of parallel compression here and pull back the mix on this compressor. Now you might say, well, if you're adding attack with the transient designer, and then you're compressing it, doesn't that sort of negate the effect? Well, you, I understand why you would say that, uh, but no, it's, it's, it's a little different um, because the transient designer uh, is expanding, but it's also kind of gating a little bit, and it's kind of doing a couple of things, and sometimes it, it's a little bit too sensitive, and it kind of over-accentuates a transient, uh, and so the compression kind of helps tame it back a little bit uh, to find a nice medium where you're getting more attack, but it's not out of control. I'm going to check out my drum bus as a whole. There's a little bit something funky going on in the kick. I'm going to check that out again on the EQ. On my overhead tracks, uh, I'm going to take out some of the snare on that uh, and add a little bit more prettiness. Um. 
yeah, this stuff. Taking out a little 320 hertz and adding a high shelf. Okay, so our drums are actually sounding pretty good uh, for just a few minutes of work. I'm going to add some compression to the overall drum bus to sort of glue it all together. I'm actually going to undo what I did on the uh, on the overhead tracks now. Now, I want these drums to sound like they're in a little bit of a bigger room. So actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to duplicate our mono room track onto a stereo track and process that uh, what I call a sort of a fake room, uh, which means I'm going to put it on a stereo track. I'm actually going to mute the mono room uh, and just put the mono room file on a stereo track. Um, and then I'm going to put a reverb on it. Uh, okay, let's try this. Let's try a small, small room preset here. Let's see, maybe this one. It's not bad. Let's make it a little shorter. The modulation down. Might be a little metallic. That's not bad, it's a little bit long. It's about 0.7 seconds now, let's try that. Okay, I'm gonna put an EQ actually before the reverb. The reverb plugin I'm putting on here is actually on the track, and that's because I wanted to simulate that I recorded it that way. And so, uh, actually, that they recorded it that way. <laughs> um, and so that's actually going into the drum bus, which is being affected by the drum bus compressor, which I like. It's different than putting it as a send. Uh, so don't let anyone tell you like, oh, well, reverbs have to be on a send. Now, typically, yes, they are. Uh, but in this situation, it actually can help us get a little bit of a larger room sound by putting a reverb on the room mic track and then uh, running that into our drum bus, which has compression on it. Uh, so I'm actually going to put an EQ before that plugin. The plugin is set to about 50% wet, so a good amount of reverb. 
I'm gonna EQ out some of that, you know, sort of cardboardy snare. working okay on that uh, on that mic I might tweak the preset with everything in context not bad. Another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up my mono room track again. I'm going to put the reverb on at 100% wet and then actually no, I take that back. I'm going to put it above. I'm going to then crush this mic again with the compressor after the reverb. Uh, so I'm going to use Devil Lock from Sound Toys. It's a really cool plugin. down a little bit. It actually is pretty subtle in the end, but it adds a nice character. Another thing I'm going to do is I'm going to add some shimmery sort of uh, modulation or something on the overheads. So I duplicated my overheads. Again, on a stereo track, okay? And on the overheads, I'm going to actually just... Uh, I'm going to high-pass this all the way up. Just cymbals, basically. High-passing at 1K. And then I might add a little reverb. I'm going to add a touch reverb, again, on the track. Just a touch. Just a touch of reverb, and then I'm gonna put uh, I'm gonna put um, let's see which one micro shift, micro shift would be a good one. This is Sound Toys micro shift. Waves doubler would also work. There's a lot of plugins that do this. It's just kind of like pitch modulation and uh, delay. I'm gonna put that actually before. No, I'm gonna leave it after the reverb. Well, I'll try it before the reverb. I like it a little better before the reverb. Uh, so, uh, in order, I've got an EQ filtering out all the bottom end. I've got Micro Shift, and then uh, I've got Valhalla Room, which is one of my favorite reverb plugins. Um, adding a little tiny bit of room ambience.
let's see how that actually works in context. This gives us a little tiny bit of like fake stereo on the drums. I'm gonna tweak my drum bus compressor. I'm not getting enough low like sub from that kick. I'm gonna go back to my kick channel and see what I can do about that. I'm actually gonna pull out a little top end on our overheads now that I've got some underneath my eyes on the grass Okay with that for now, uh, I might need a little bit more mid-range of some kind added. Let me try our mono room. It's working pretty well in context overall. I'm gonna check out this uh, side stick track and cut some bottom and add a little reverb. This is actually uh, on ascend, not on the track. on my face I was just dancing dancing underneath my eyes on the grass the dirt and the dark I was just dancing 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 the, the will of tree Between. 
might, snare might be a little, t a little bit fat. Just a little. I took off like a low shelf, like just like a DB, just a little bit fat. And I put a high pass on at about 50 hertz. The snare's not even really down there, but keeping that, keeping that clean down there. So I'm really happy with the way the drums are sounding. I'm going to play you that section of the song with the original drums and then with the drums as they currently are. I'm actually really happy with the way those drums sound, so we're going to move on to, uh, I'm going to keep bass as is for now. I'm, I'm going to go on to the guitars. I like the way that this Royer ribbon mic sounds, uh, or if it wasn't uh, the 101, then, you know, even if the tracks are named incorrectly, I like the way that this mic sounds better, so here we go. <laughs> Uh, this is a really dynamic performance, so I'm going to put a compressor on. I could automate it, but uh, I don't really want to, so <laughs> I'm going to use a compressor. Uh, and I think the compressor will add a cool a cool tone to it. I'm going to try. Let's try this one. Let's see. I'm using the uh, LA-3, the Waves LA-3. I'm going to start by putting some EQ on the uh, guitar bus as a whole. I'm just going to take out some bottom end, uh, you know, below like 80 hertz or something. Maybe add a little bit of top end to the whole bus. I want, I want some space on this guitar, so I'm going to put the reverb. I'm going to use a multiband compressor on that main electric. Because I like how it's kind of dark, but I want to keep those low mids tame when he goes to different registers. Maybe add another band up here.
sometimes it's hard to control dynamic performances like this. I like how it's working in the track. Shadows on my face. I was just dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, the dirt. Let's pan these. I'm gonna do kind of a similar thing on this guitar too. I'm gonna give it some compression, just a little bit. Um, let's see here. Maybe a little bit extra top end. Maybe pull down the reverb on this one. Put some reverb on the other one. Pretty nicely. Underneath my eyes, on the grass, the dirt and the dark. I was just I'm gonna work on these guitars a little bit, these quickly uh, just take out some. about 450 hertz. That one doesn't really need it. Yeah, they sound good together. be a little bit bitey. something a little more interesting on these guitars so maybe like a spring reverb or something with some more like character
I'm gonna, I might add some chorus to this other one just to give it something, I don't know, to separate it a little more. It seems to have a little bit of modulation on it, but I'm going to give it a little bit extra. Maybe a little tremolo? Let's try that. Maybe instead of chorus and tremolo, I need to just put on vibrato. That might be a nice combination. Okay, not that. Maybe this. Very subtle in the end. It, it comes across almost inaudible, but uh, it adds a little bit of sort of movement and depth on that other lead electric there. I'm also adding a reverb on that one as well. I'm going to add a different reverb. I'm going to add my bright studio reverb. By giving them different reverbs, they separate a little better and each have their own sort of different character. I'm going to add something weird on this one. I'm going to add just a touch of filtering. Uh, filter freak. Another sound toys extravaganza. <laughs> uh, let's try this and just scroll through some presets. Let's just try to scroll through some presets and have some fun. to be triggered. Uh, let's try... Not bad. That's cool. Adjust it a little bit. I do remember that they uh, they actually wanted this song to fade in, so I'm going to go ahead and just do a quick fade in.
All right, I'm going to check out the bass now. Put the vocal back in. And, uh... Eyes on the grass, the dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing. Underneath my eyes on the grass, the dirt and the dark. I was just dancing. Okay, so, um... I'm going to try to get rid of some of the clackiness on the bass. Underneath my... I'm gonna use a de-esser. De-essers, even though they claim to be for sibilants and S's, uh, actually work really well for lots of things. They're really just uh, high-frequency, mid, upper-mid-frequency compressors. So that's a little too far. Much better. Check this out. This is before. After. I'm compressing 20 dB on some of those hits, but it's only above 2K. And there's not a whole lot of bass above 2K. It's mo mostly just finger noise. This is what you're actually compressing. It's an important region, but there's not really notes there. Okay, and I'm going to just compress the bass overall to get it a little bit, a little bit thicker and kind of more consistent. I'm also going to use, uh, I'm going to try slate tape machines on the bass to kind of uh, give it a little bit of warmth. Uh, let's see, slate. There you are. I'm going to try this first. Didn't quite do what I wanted. I'm going to just I'm gonna take off the tape sim for now and just try a compressor. Let's try this. Not bad. Let's hear it in context. I like what that's done, but now I feel like um, my top end's kind of gone. Uh, I know that I just DS'd, but it's different. It's, it's like I need something to cut, help cut through the mix. I'm actually going to duplicate the bass. I'm going to take off our DSer and compressor, and I'm going to add an amp simulator. Now, this is just a bass DI, so I'm going to add an amp simulator to get a little bit of a harmonic, oh, you know, harmonic content in there. So let's try, um, let's try just the stock VST bass amp. This is uh, within Nuendo. Contrary to what some people think, bass can actually take quite a bit of distortion even when the goal is a clean tone. That extra harmonic content helps it stick out in the mix. Oh, well, 
almost. Dark houses dancing, dancing, dancing in the dark. Well, dancing, dancing. Yeah, add a little EQ to this. So I'm using Slate VTM, and it's it's a great plugin, but it's not quite doing what I want on this uh, in this situation. So I'm going to try the Waves Kramer tape. of a weird tone but it works okay that's not too bad uh, we might come revisit that uh, I want to check out some of these synths there's nothing really that's airy all these are kind of dark even need that one I'm gonna mute that that one's not bad that one's I don't even know if we'll need that I'm just gonna take out the low end of these Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to duplicate this guy. It's got a cool sound, but it's just not quite what I think it needs. I think this this pad kind of goes through the whole song very subtly. But I don't think if I boost top end, that's really going to do it. So I'm going to duplicate that track, and I'm going to use a plugin called Valhalla Shimmer. This plugin allows me to do octave shifted reverb. That's what I'm missing.
I'm gonna put an EQ after the reverb so that I can uh, get a hold on some of that like super top. And then let's see how it works in context. Okay, that bass sounds a little funky up top, so let me let me check that out. I'm gonna adjust some EQ. So I'm just kind of tweaking things here and there as they come to me. You know, if I feel something needs something, I'm just going for it. I'm just following, just following my gut, feeling it out. I'm not doing anything like super drastic or like, you know, just, hey, the bass sounds a little funky there. Hey, the you know snare needs a little of this. Hey, the, the guitar needs a little reverb. Uh, I'm going to go back to the vocal now and try to make the vocal sound a little more uh, compelling. Light seeps through my window. In illuminated veins. I'm gonna start by DSing this as well. A warm fellow making shadows on my face. I was just dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, then dirt dark. Maybe a little I compression. Was just dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree. Light seeps through my window in illuminated veins. A warm touch. I'm going to try to give him a little bit more warmth and fatness, but also uh, some air on the really high, like really high air, like 14K. Light seeps through my window in illuminated veins. A warm touch of yellow. Might be a little too fat. Making shadows on my face. I was just dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree. Elliot's been a while. I added uh, another DSer on the on the uh, lead vocal after uh, the compression and EQ. I'm going to check out a multiband compressor to help contain some of those low notes, the sort of weird thuddiness on the vocal. On the grass, then that type stuff and the dark I was just dancing dancing and I'm gonna try to push the mid-range as much as I can to help it cut 
less than dirt and the dark I was just dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree Ellie, it's been a while I'm gonna try also adding, I'm gonna add a little bit of a doubler on his vocal on the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, very dancing, subtly dancing under maybe a small, maybe my dark studio reverb. On the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing just a little for space, but then I'm gonna also add um, spring reverb, which is mono up the middle for some just character. On the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing. On the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing under the That's working pretty well. Elliot's been a while. The vocal will definitely need automation to make sure that every word is heard. Uh, I'm going to give the backing vocals a little bit more help here. Dancing, dancing on the grass in the dirt. I'm going to take out some top end on these backing vocals. I want most of the top and breathiness to come from the lead vocal. Dancing, dancing. And I'm even going to throw a de-esser on uh, the bus as well. Dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, then dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing. And then I'm gonna try to give the backing vocals a little bit of their own sort of unique color. I'm gonna use some saturation from Decapitator. Dancing, dancing on the grass and the dirt and the dark. Dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree. A little bit of EQ. Dancing, dancing on the grass and the dirt and the dark. Dancing. I'm actually going to end up putting a gate on these two. Uh, the little bit of noise coming up from the plugins. So I'm actually going to use Fab Filter Pro G. Dancing, dancing on the grass and the dirt and the dark. Dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree. Elliot. Dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, the dirt and the dark. And I'm going to add a little bit of delay to those uh, backings. Maybe some spring reverb as well. Dancing, dancing on the grass. 
like I was just dancing, dancing, dancing. I'm gonna back off the saturation a little bit. I was just dancing, dancing underneath my eyes on the grass, the dirt and the dark. I was just dancing, dancing, dancing under the willow tree. Ellie, it's been a while. automate that down actually that that other right guitar that has that little pokey da 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 uh, kind of a funky edit anyway but uh <laughs> that's fine there we go let's try this is uh i want to try to actually extend the last hit so that, that edit's not so awkward uh, I'm going to use some little time, time stretching here. I'm going to try to extend that first hit, actually, of the next one and time stretch it backwards. Maybe just shove the whole thing backwards just a little bit. That's not, that's not as bad. I'm going to add a little bit of delay to this guitar too. I feel like it needs a little something special. Maybe like eighth note tape, like real dark delay. out some mids on this other guitar where is it? it's not that one it's this one I'll try to accentuate some of this stuff a little more a little uh, compression on those guitars as well. Just to help that riff pop out and catch your ear. them poke out just a little bit. It's kind of a slow attack, uh, fast release type thing. Not a ton of compression, uh, just to kind of give them snappy a little bit.
a little bit of extra EQ on this guitar. Uh, rather than doing a high shelf, I pulled that more down to mid shelf. So it's actually just kind of a tilt. I'm going to take out some some of that. <laughs> I like that vocal a lot, it's popping through nicely. I'm going to, right now I've got the backing vocals panned hard left and right and the guitars are panned 50-50 and the synths are panned hard left and right. Uh, I might try flipping that and do the guitars hard left and right. Uh, and then the backing vocals 50-50. Let's, let's try that. I'm going to pull back the distortion just a little bit. I want the delay to go... I'm going to use a different delay here. Let's try this one. On that little ooh backing vocal, um, I'm actually going to... I'm just going to drown that in reverb. It's okay, uh, but I think it's more of just sort of like a... I, I'm not considering it a lead. I'm considering it more of a backing. I'm going to just drown that in reverb. Let's try this. Uh... Okay, so what I'm going to do next is I'm going to go through the song from the start. So you can kind of hear, we've kind of been doing sort of just here and there. Um, I'm going to automate this because it's got a very long decay and it doesn't need to be super audible the whole time. So I'm going to go through it with my control surface and automate uh, that high synth. Um because, yeah, it really needs to be heard in the intro, but not so much in the first verse, just a little bit. And then the chorus maybe a little bit. But uh, this will also give you a chance to kind of hear where we are at the moment with our mix. Um, we've just kind of been jumping around. And sometimes that's how it goes. You know, sometimes I, I get a mix and I kind of like methodically go down the line like, you know, vocal, drums, bass. Sometimes I have everything up all the time. Other times like this, I'm just kind of like, oh, I heard that. I heard that. Uh, and I'm trying to work quick. 
I'm not trying to focus too much on any single thing. So, yeah. turn those drums down a little bit. I need to go back and punch in where I was uh, automating that uh, that thing that was going okay. I knew my sheets all too well And the warmth that's in between Taking me over to the other side we feel at peace I was just dancing, dancing Underneath my eyes On the grass, the dirt And the dark I was just dancing, dancing Dancing under The willow tree I was just dancing, dancing Push it back up the synth, the little high synth.
punch in there again. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make sure this thing isn't too. Um... And again, I'm just mainly automating the volume on that little high shimmer synth as I sort of listen to the mix, and also I'm I've got my control surface with my left hand uh, on the fader automating that, but I've also sort of on the, with the right hand I'm kind of like uh, if I need to pull something down, and I just unmuted this thing or turned it up. Um, but I need to pull that down. I'm actually going to narrow that out real quick. It's kind of like wide. But I don't really need that, so I'm just going to make it mono. I'm using Waves S1 to just narrow it all the way to narrow. And I want to put some delay on it just to give it some space. Maybe. Ooh, man, that uh, that that's why I'm automating that synth because it's so long, or that that high shimmer thing. Um, I'm gonna give it a little bit of width and maybe a lot of delay. I'm gonna f sort of focus the energy on that a little bit higher. A bit more like three, maybe like five k. That is the wrong note. Forgot about that. We replaced it with these notes. That is the wrong last note. Okay, I'm gonna delete that. I'm not a big fan of that synth. I'm going to do the opposite of what I did to it originally. I took out the bottom and boosted some mid-range. I'm going to do the opposite because it sounds kind of like 1940s movie. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to make it more spacey and sort of low, dark. That seems to play a little bit better with the uh, with the high shimmer thing. Let me finish automating the volume on that. Fade out was too quick. Uh, just do the fade out real quick. Dancing, dancing, dancing. 
It's not bad. I need to fade out those guitars a little sooner. They got some noise issues on there. This concludes part one of Let's Mix and Master a Song with Cavern Company's Dancing in the Dark. Hope you guys have been following pretty well. I know that it's a little bit strange, and I know that you have to kind of stay focused on it, but, uh, you know, hey, hopefully you're learning a lot. Hopefully you're getting some cool inspiration for various ideas. Uh, In this particular song, I've just been kind of jumping around and going with the flow, which is, like I said, sometimes I do that, and that's just kind of what happened on this song. So, um... It's interesting because I've already mixed this song. I mixed this song, um, you know, months ago, but uh, I actually kind of, (laughs) you know, it's funny how things change a little bit. Some of the things I'm doing, I know for a fact I did on the other mix, uh, but on this time, you know, I've done some different decisions that maybe I like a little more, maybe I like a little less, uh, but yeah, so that's just the nature of the beast. As I always say, mixes never get finished, they get released. So, you know, what do you do? But, uh, okay, so I'm going to try to post the next half of this episode in a couple weeks. Rather than uh, my usual one show a month, I'm going to try to post this uh, in two weeks for part two. And then part three, which it's looking like we'll have a part three, will be two weeks after that. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, show ideas, please email me at recordingloungepodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in having me mix or master your song, you can contact me. Make sure you tell me that you're a podcast listener and you'll get a special rate for mixing or mastering or both. Um, You can check out the blog at recordinglounge.blogspot.com and the Facebook at facebook.com slash recordinglounge. Also, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash recording lounge. And um, hopefully you can find some cool info there, some more cool techniques and videos. I've been really busy lately, so I haven't posted a video in a bit, but uh, I do have quite a few videos up already. I plan on posting some more in the coming months. You can donate to the podcast at the blog, recordinglounge.blogspot.com. There's a little donate button that you can use uh, with PayPal. It's very simple to donate. Again, there's no pressure from me. Just putting that out there as an option. And you can also check out my book, Three-Dimensional Mixing. You can go to threedimensionalmixing.com. That's all spelled out, no numbers, but T-H-R-E-E, Dimensional Mixing. Uh, com and buy the book in PDF format. The second edition is coming. I know I'm sorry it's taken me a while, but I promise it is coming. And uh, those of you that own the PDF already will get a free upgrade to the new PDF of the second edition, but in the second edition we'll also be uh, releasing it in physical copies. Um, I believe soft cover, but potentially hardback as well. And if I can, I'm going to try to also get it on the iTunes bookstore and the Kindle store. So, yeah, lots of big things. So, uh, like I said, I really hope you've enjoyed this podcast series so far. I know that I got a lot of great responses from it before. So, uh, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what you guys think. um, And I'm really excited to finish it. So, I'll talk to you next time.